Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Casual Master Quest, episode 74, coming your way. I'm going to be your host today, Tyler Vitito, aka Two Times Styler. But I got some cool people with me. Uh, speaking of cool, somebody's living in the luxury of nice, chill California. Uh, super cold, I'm sure. Glenn, how are you doing, bud? Doing great. Doing uh, weirdly sleepy. <laughs> but I'm here and I'm excited to be here. That is an interesting adjective. Nah. Uh, combo weirdly sleepy but excited but excited okay and coming up from the the frigid north of uh canada himself nick hi nick you look amused are you also weirdly sleepy um no i don't think so i don't think i'm sleepy i think i got enough rest <laughs> for a change really yeah yeah it's amazing how how when you actually just go to sleep on time rather than stay up till like 5 a.m because this time I only stay up till 4 a.m you actually get enough sleep Whoa. nice <laughs> you fucking party animal over here watch out like before <laughs> the sun oh, yeah, party animal sitting on reddit until 4 a.m hell yeah i know how to <laughs> i know how to bring the house down man i've been having a bit of a crunchy rule binge with uh, my hero academia and because i've been coming home later this week uh my cooldown period is usually between 5 and 6 a.m then i go to bed uh wake up at like 2 30 i'll get my eight eight and a half hours of sleep i'm good to go but since i've been coming home at six i've been binging the show like a motherfucker up until about maybe 7 30 or nine o'clock you know one of the two and it's been causing me a lot of problems you know getting five six hours of sleep throughout the week and then driving and then there was i think it was friday it was like i need to shut everything off and get some fucking sleep and nine and a half hours later i rose from the dead and it felt great so, so i composite good is it a long weekend for you guys nationwide? Uh, like, are uh, you talking about with the uh, veterans? Yeah, because I know it's for uh, in in Canada it's called Remembrance Day. That's uh, that's on uh, on the Monday, and so is that. And so I know that's for veterans, and I know that's Veterans Day in the U.S. Is that nationwide, or is it in certain states? Uh, I mean, it's recognized as a holiday nationwide. Whether or not you get like a day off is you know up to the company. Uh, yeah, so yeah. so it's a statutory holiday, but whether you work or not depends on where you're working. You're right, right. Like, uh, for example, at my workplace, uh, we do not have it off, unfortunately. Right. But I mean, uh, just because you know, my we honor our uh, soldiers and the people that help in those times of need uh, while working. <laughs> Still, yep. Uh, but. Uh, Actually, technically, for the podcast listener, to all the soldiers out there that uh, that served, thank you. Fuck, you guys are great. Uh, I, I know you've been having a lot. You know, you might hear some bad stuff thrown your way, but uh, me as a person, I'll get political for a second. I support you guys no matter what. Heavy preach. But I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say, I'm not gonna preach to the choir or whoever the fuck is listening. Nick, uh, what's your been weekly been like? My what's been what like what been you. What, what's your like been week? Oh, um, uh, busy my week been has. Um, oh, Tyler, <laughs> me understand. Oh, uh, I've, I mean, it's the same old, same old with school. Uh, I think I mentioned it last week. This is the last month, so all the deadlines are starting to converge. So it's just a time of like 
Alright, cool, I guess I'll just not sleep properly for a few weeks and then we'll just see what happens. Um, but I did go on a photo shoot finally on the photo shoot we had to reschedule and I think I mentioned that two episodes ago. And I think so, yeah. There, uh, you know, there's some, there's some pictures floating out there. Um, if y'all want to see, you can just go to my Twitter. Um, uh, the results from the photo shoot and, uh, part of it was I wanted some, like, photos for projects and things that I'd be doing and then the other part of it was I needed like more professional headshots for like LinkedIn and stuff because I'm starting to get ready for looking for a job. Um, you play Destiny all the time though. How are you not a professional headshotter, rookie? So I had to get some professional headshots taken for de- <laughs> uh, for like LinkedIn and for, you know, for like, you know, when I'm applying for jobs because I'll be doing that yeah. starting March because I finish in April and the graduation's in June. So I'll have uh, yeah, and then I have to apply for my postgrad work permit and then I have to wait to see for three and a half months if I get the work permit. And if I don't get the work permit, I have to leave. So it's just a whole bunch of things. And so I have to look for a job. And then, yeah, so I'm just sort of starting to get those things ready, those those objects and uh, put my portfolio, my resume, do some certifications in the meantime. So I have to do that in tandem with finishing school and then in tandem with Casual Master Quest and then also in tandem with Casual Quest Masters. So there's just... It's starting to pick up, and then it's gonna peak in like March, April, and then I'm gonna be jobless for a little while. Mm, mm. Uh, you sound ecstatic over this. I am just being real, like realistic. Like I'm, I'm gonna find a job. It's gonna happen. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, I just have to plot out how I do things, and I gotta, I, I have to make looking for a job my job. So I have to give the same amount of focus and energy that I would uh, whatever job I do get so that I can actually find a job. And yeah, no, it's just, you know, uh, just getting there. I'm going into adulthood officially now. I think I'm transitioning there. When I was your age, which is like, what, 16, 17? I get it mixed up every now and then. Uh, I remember when I was looking for a job, I honestly kind of half-assed it. Uh, like, uh, it was mostly during a, a recession of jobs over in my region, but, it, like, I, I, I remember the person I was living with was like, you need to put in 10 applications today, and it's like, I'll, you know, I'll put out 10 fucking applications, but then no one responded, and so, after you hit, like, 50, it's like, what's the point at the, you know, at this moment? But, you know, I, I kind of half-heartedly try and then if i got an interview that's when you know the show floor is on but it's like eh, if they don't respond they don't respond but during those times uh in the past few years when i uh got laid off i started like uh, it turns out desperation is a motherfucking thing uh, <laughs> it's like you, you appear on that dance floor saying hey look at me <laughs> and i i hope you don't go through the stage where you yeah you feel like you need to slow down just to keep up with uh, your mental health for uh, job searching because it can eat at you if you don't get a response uh, within a couple of weeks about like interest well I mean in my case I don't have time to even think or care about that Uh, situations are different in this case because I'm not Canadian Um, if I don't find a job and so if I if if I get rejected for my postgraduate work permit I have to leave the country I don't want to do that if I don't find a job, I have th- if I do get it, I have three years or however long that work permit is valid to look for a job. Uh, but I think I'll find something within the end of the year, uh, by the end of 2020. I'm, I know that for certain, so I'm not worried about the mental health. But I understand what you mean. Um, 
it can be demoralizing and it can get to you but i just don't have the <laughs> it's it's funny I, I just don't have the time to even think about that no i just have to do it get I, it and then figure it out i realize as i say it and you know i'm listening to the stuff you're throwing at me i'm just talking about you know being a guy that can live in my house or you know be a what's the term uh a leech essentially just you know live at my best friend's house during that time and all that stuff but uh shit man your situation is fucking dire i mean it's not so much as dire i'm not you know i'm not a refugee it's, it's nothing really wrong like i'm just it's just i'm most likely going to get the work permit it's just i have to be realistic about the chances and what's going to happen and just kind of keep that at the forefront so i'm approaching everything um it's like when i before i started driving i went to i did a uh, motorcycle training course and the first thing mm. they teach you is always be prepared for the worst if you see a car coming up to your on your on the right lane behind you imagine like just be prepared as if he's gonna hit you what would you do so it's just kind of like keeping those i'm pragmatic that way and a little bit too realistic so i'm just keeping all these things um you know uh, at the forefront like all right this is what i'd need to do if i get rejected i'd have to leave the country reapply and try to get back in if i can't then i'd have to find a place to do my masters apply get a study permit then come back uh so there's it's just strategies and things to plan out well i wish you the best i know everything will be fine it's just i'm i can understand how stressful that can be i won't demand that you smile but they say my little deku you must smile even when the fight is at its worst. Almighty. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get anything out of that. Uh, Glenn, uh, how, how, I don't know how to follow that up. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I was going to ask how your week was. Oh, my week was great. I got in another car accident. Uh, I did get to go to a fun bachelor party last night, though, for one of my uh, one of my nerd buddies. We went to this really cool thing called the Void, which is basically just like a a VR like, like a, it's like a VR escape room experience sort of thing. It was a lot of fun. They have one that's like like scary Halloween haunting themed, and then they've got another one that's like straight up Star Wars themed. Um, and then, uh, but also I've uh, I got a buddy that dropped off five thousand magic cards, and so I've been sorting those. I ended up like sorting through my own collection and getting rid of more than. I took out of his collection and then gave the rest to a buddy. So I ended up like actually pruning down my own collection. So I don't know. It's been a, it's been a long week. I spent ten hours sorting yesterday. So I didn't get to stream Holy for two shit. days straight because <laughs> I was like, I need to get these cards out of my house or my wife's gonna kill me. <laughs> it's kind of upsetting that it's uh, nine thousand magic cards. You'd hope it'd be at least nine thousand and one. That way you can make uh, ye old classic joke. But <laughs> hey, at least you're honest. Uh, inspiration for that. Jeez. <laughs> I just know that I have around five, and he gave me a full row box, so, yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, it's uh, exactly 9,000! So, <laughs> I uh, I think the mood is set right here, uh, where everybody... Oh, uh, man, this looks like a podcast of misery this time around. Everybody's like... <sighs> like, you can almost see the, uh, the anime Japanese... Uh, kanji for like gloom and doom just like coming out of everybody's head and there's a bunch of like purple lines everywhere oh no i'm doing good i've had a good week otherwise really oh yeah what's your favorite pop music song um fuck uh honestly glenn's nervous 
uh, the the last thing I was I was jamming to that wasn't metal was uh, "Bad Guy" by Billie Eilish. That thing. William a, Eilish. It's, it's got a funky beat. I don't huh. think I've heard it before. Unfortunately, I can't play it right now for legal reasons. But you've never heard "Bad did, Guy." If I did, I have you seen the music video, Nick? Uh, yeah, music video was a little um. It was artistic. a little weird. But you know the guy that you know the guy that walks out and holds her retainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know him. I went to college with him. Of course you do. <laughs> of course you he, like this is this is this is very stereotypical actor in LA. It's like, oh yeah, you you know you know the guy who played the gimp on Sex Magic 1013? Uh yeah, he's my best friend grown. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, uh, we're not best friends, but I did go to the zoo with him once. He also uh, works at Sir, which is a dope bar in West Hollywood. Oh, you know that guy who played the bouncer in John Wick 5? Yeah, he's actually working down at this local Starbucks, and he's really struggling to make ends meet, but he's a good guy. But have you heard of... Wait, what about that song, Hot Girl Bummer? Uh, Hot Girl Bummer Anthem? Yeah, I think I've seen that on Pornhub, yeah. I know of the song. I haven't listened to it. I'm not into white trash. Uh, My roommate helped work on the music video, but he got shelved, so no big deal. Okay, oh, it's no big deal. If you're not into white trash, why are you hanging out with me, Nick? I don't know. It's just gone on so long that I have no choice now. Ah, I do it for the fans. I feel like you have a green thumb, though. I'm more like white recycling at this point. I like. (laughs) I I think I'm I'm stepping up at this point. I'm eco friendly. Eco friendly. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So immediately after the podcast last week, uh, the wife and I decided that we needed to treat ourselves for our anniversary dinner, and yeah, anniversary. Yeah, we're going to keep clapping and applying each other for anniversary. Did you know uh, that clapping is self-high-fiving yourself? Carry on, Tyler. It's double, yeah. Wow, it's, it's double the productivity, too, because you're doing both of them. Yeah, because you're lonely mm. and have no friends, so you have to high-five yourself. Carry on, Tyler. I mean, there's a difference between, uh, like, isolation and loneliness. You gotta understand, man. Sometimes you gotta enjoy being by yourself. Give yourself the productivity that the other part of yourself needs, so you may join in balance. Or I'm oh. full of shit. Anyways, so my high standards of qual- uh, like food quality was originally my honeymoon with a $30 steak. That got bumped up when I visited Nick in Canada and got myself a... Well, with the upcharge and all that stuff, I think it was probably somewhere around like $120, $130 steak. So my... Like, the price point of, like, blowing money on food has, like, the bar has gone up. Uh, you gotta be careful, because I don't want to go to the fucking Bougieville in Hell's Kitchen or some shit like that. But I still wanted to try something a little bit different. And so I got excited, told the wife, hey, we're going to go to this Brazilian steakhouse. I was like, okay, I'll go in there, I'll get a $32 steak this time, you know, and just kind of bump it up just a little bit and treat myself. Okay, wait, before you carry on. And yes. so I think you were just going to go into it. You don't you didn't know before this how Brazilian steakhouses work, did you? I didn't know there was a genre of like how Brazilian steakhouses format. I see the word steakhouse, maybe the cows come from Brazil. Who the fuck do I know? You know? I've never been to one, but I really want to go to one because they sound amazing. Tyler, please tell us how Brazilian steakhouses work. Okay, so you tell me if this sounds correct. Uh, first I sat down, and the first thing I noticed was, no menu. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where's the menu? I, w- I want le steak. She probably wants either le steak or burger or chicken. I don't know. Which just comes up and says, hey, 
this is gonna cost a you know a metric butt fuck ton of money and it's like okay uh and i'm like where's the food <laughs> and she's like uh soup and salad go ahead and get a uh, soup salad as there's you know and but we're gonna bring food to you uh you just uh flip this card over tell us when you're ready and we'll bring food to you i'm like well don't i get to pick the steak i want and she's like uh you'll see and so going over to the soup and salad thing there's some ritzy ass shit that's going on over there. There's different types of cheese I didn't even know existed in my town. Like they had to get it imported like out of country. I I, I could not name them off. There's some weird meat. There's something called like uh, my wife hopefully can correct me. Prosciutto or some kind of meat that tasted like a meat equivalent bruschetta. of fruit by the bruschetta. Tasted like fruit by the foot. A sup in meat form, and it freaked me the fuck out. But it was pretty cool because you know, Nick, have you ever had the have you Is ever it, had fruit by the foot? Uh, it's like really thin slice salami. Yeah, I yes, I think I've had the non-American version. So yes, hmm. I mean it's, it's essentially candy that's rolled yeah, up. It's, it's just like yeah, it's just like sugar. flat strips of like gummy fruit, right? So imagine the gummy texture, but there's actual meat in it. I yeah. still have no idea. Glenn, Wait, do you know what animal prosciutto? it comes from? Prosciutto, yeah. Yeah, prosciutto is uh, Where does pork. it come from? Yeah. Oh. It's okay. An, it's an uh, Italian cured pork, um, cut in very. I think it, I'm pretty sure it comes from the pork jowl, and it's uh, dried and cured and aged, and it comes in like yeah. You can either get it in thin strips, so it's pretty much Italian bacon, cheese, or you can get yeah. it out in like cubes, and then you can pan fry that for some amazing like fat and whatever food. Oh, prosciutto is so good. So I know Nick, this isn't the part where you're interested. You know, this is the fancy. This feels like the bougie part, but. I go back with the table. I I eat what is like a large plate of finger food because I'm getting annoyed. I I like I had a rough idea knowing what's gonna happen here, because suddenly this motherfucker comes around with a sword, and I'm like, yeah. The, Glenn kind of gave like a, a head tilt. Like, okay, this guy has a sword and a machete. So I am in a at a table that is surrounded by two walls. I am in a corner. I'm in a danger zone when I see somebody in a apron a chef hat, and a fucking sword and a machete. He comes up with me. There's meat on the sword. So apparently what a Brazilian steakhouse is, they cook a shit ton of a specialty meat, pierce it with the sword, and will walk up to tables and give you a bit of it one at a time. So he'll come up to me and say, like, hey, would you like the, uh, the Parmesan chicken? And he'll put this fucking sword on the table, and I'll be like, uh, yes, please, don't hurt me. Take the machete, slide a piece off for me, look at the wife, wife says, sure, slide it off, and goes to the next table. And so, this happens, like, over the course of, like, an hour or two, these motherfuckers coming around with these sword rapier things, and just sliding off bits of eccentric types of meat. And so, it's, uh, like a Russian roulette, except you know, you know, what bullet you're about to take of what kind of meat you're gonna get next. Hmm. And so I got to try a bunch of different types of meat. I got to try lamb, I think, for the first time in my life. That was kind of weird. Uh, really, really stringy. Uh, like it's uh, for somebody who eats uh, a lot of venison from you know deer. Uh, I'm used to having that lean texture, but sheep uh, seems kind of weird in texture. It's an acquired taste. But uh, instead of getting that fancy you know thirty two dollar steak, I got I pretty much got everything under the fucking sun. Uh, I ate so much meat. I'm pretty sure I didn't shit for like two and a half days. <laughs> Brazilian steakhouses in practice sound 
amazing. So I, I would imagine each each one of them has their own flair. So I think it's the one locally or the one that was back home growing up. Um, because my dad would have to go for these like fancy business dinners with German men, and then he's vegetarian. So he'd have and they'd be at a hotel, and so he'd have to order the penne arrabbiata from the Italian place that was across the way, so that he could eat something there or eat the salad. But then basically they'd they'd be at, they'd, they'd have a hand cart kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, like a catering style thing, and then they just have all the different kinds of meat on spits, and be like, okay, would you like some more? And then there's a card, and I'm sorry if I'm stealing this information, but there's a card on your table, which usually one side is green, one side is red. So if you have the green yep. side up, uh, that keeps that motherfucking like, going. They'll just keep coming. But if you have the red side up, they're like, okay, no more food for you for a while. So it's just a simple like, all right. So you, and then so you pay no matter what, you pay a flat rate, and then you just yeah. get a bunch of yeah. different stuff. And if you just want it, the it's one a thing, style mentality. Yeah. And if you just want the one kind of meat, you can be like, I just want you know the 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 parmesan chicken all night, and be like, all right, sir, no problem. Whatever you want, you're paying for this. Hmm. <laughs> I intentionally got super friendly with the waiters because uh we were entering like the last two hours before they closed down like we we went there pretty late and so once uh it died down it was just you know maybe a third of the people still there and they saw me at the fucking table this hulk goliath of a man that could probably eat his weight in food and you know i'm saying you're doing a great job man i really appreciate you suddenly like you'd be amazed a little recognition and suddenly they make it you know their fucking mission to make sure you're as happy as possible and i got three of those guys just coming up and was like hey this is the best steak we have possibly in the house would you like it i'm like yeah yeah and he's like well there's no other tables you can have the rest of it and he'll just slide three pieces of it instead of just the one i'm like oh mercy i don't think i can eat all that we're gonna <laughs> fucking find out though and <laughs> it was a nice experience i walked home happy uh plus it turns out my wife's uh brother works there and uh he spoiled us with a little dessert problem is though i ate so much meat i couldn't actually eat said dessert and i had to take it home i thought that counts at least you could take something it, home yeah i mean i took it home and it tasted great but i, I think the best thing i took home besides the, you know the dessert was the fucking memories and like i said two days of constipation as it turns out eating that much meat uh really Stops the gap, I guess what you would say. There's there's a reason there's an open uh, salad and soup bar that, to just help, like, you know, let's just lubricate your insides because it's going to be in pain for the next few days. I, I felt bad because it they came, like, once every five minutes initially, and I'm like, well, fuck this. I guess I'll just eat as much as I can from the salad bar, and then I load it up, and all of a sudden they start showing up every 45 seconds, and I'm like... <laughs> Oh yeah, keep it coming. Just put on the plate over there. Oh jeez, I gotta catch up, man. And <laughs> it was great. I uh, I don't think there was a single type of food I didn't like. And it was weird being spoiled to that level, but it, it was an amazing experience. And I was surprised that we had something like that in town. I mean, like, there's a reason. Not like a yeah, there's a reason people pay that much for places like these because it's it's also part of the experience as long as the food is good. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you guys got that experience. Brazilian steakhouses uh, sound like a fun time. I just don't want to go to one alone, and none of my friends are like, yeah, dude, and that's, uh, like we don't want to do and that. The, yeah, like, got... fucking boring ass people. Like I'm honestly surprised, Eugene. I can understand a little bit, but uh, the other person we brought along, like the place we went to for the uh, the hibachi grill, that was expensive as shit. Like I was surprised you were able to convince anybody else to go for that. Um, 
Yeah, I I can't remember what the setup there was. I think I'm I pretty sure I paid for Eugene because that was my graduation gift for him because he had just recently graduated then. Um, and then my other friend, I can't remember if I, I probably didn't pay for him, but then I just asked if he wanted to come along. He knew what he was getting into, and he said okay. And I'm like, all right, cool. Hmm. Uh, I know this is a side topic. Has Eugene come back yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Eugene's been back since August, but he's uh, traveling again, so it's going to be a few months of, uh, two months of, uh, yeah, house being empty. So he leaves a few days after I do, um, and then he comes back in Feb. Hmm. I just miss talking to him. He was a cool guy. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. I love him. I mean... (laughs) And I truly mean that. For anybody listening, I truly do mean both of those things that I just said about him. He taught me the words, I love you in uh, Russian, Sukabla. Yeah, that's exactly what that means. Yeah. <laughs> so, shocker, this is a video game podcast. What? Uh, <sighs> I, I, I know, J- drop the mic. What, what's, what the fuck is going on anymore? Uh, so, I am interested in the progress of Glenn with World of Warcraft. Last time I heard, you just hit level 60 and you were working on best-in-slot items. I watched you stream a little of Undead Stratholme, but uh, what's been going on in your end? Have you gone raid-worthy yet? Uh, I mean, I could do Molten Core, but I haven't found a time when I'm free and somebody's looking for people. But Anixia Attunement is what I'm struggling through right now, because I have to get into Upper Black Rock Spire, and I found a group. And then the group was not good enough to get through it, so they all bailed after, like, the second wipe, so... Um, Damn. Like, on the first boss? Pain, yes. No, we got to the arena in Upper Black Rock. Okay. So, I mean, it wasn't... Yeah, it just... It's a pain in the butt, and, like, we went and did, like, arena runs in BRD, and brought two guys in who had not been playing very much at all, and I think I've run BRD now, pushing 80 or 90 times, just trying to get anything and the first time this guy ran through he's a paladin and there's a good healing chest plate that drops off of uh, the spider carapace or whatever it's called first then drops it he's got all he needed from that and then he's like oh crap there's another thing i can get next time we run the boss comes up drops the thing he needs he runs it twice gets everything he needs and i was just like i have seen i've never seen black hand or hand of justice i've never seen uh savage gladiator chain i've never even seen them much less much less like lost them in a role or something. So the game is getting to a point where like I've just got to try and get things. Like that's why I'm trying to do um, uh, kill Dracoseth, I think it is, in Upper Black Rock because it'll get me an Ixia Attunement and uh, Black Hand's Breath because I have to. I have to do the things that are, I have to get my blessing sort stuff that is a guarantee from quests because the the dungeons literally never drop them and. Last time I tried to get into Blackrock, or the mountain, or whatever it is, I died 17 times in a row because a raid group of Horde camped the entrance, not to, like, anything specifically, everywhere, in the whole dungeon. They were just everywhere. And literally, I died in front, like, trying to walk into an instance four times in a row. I didn't play the game except for running as a spirit for 40 minutes. 
It was the most frustrating thing I've ever seen. First off, I'd like to say, Nick, I'd like to apologize. I saw the look in your eyes as they started the glaze over when you talked about <laughs> BlackRock depths. Uh, I, I appreciate your patience. No, it's uh, fine. Um, off, I can only imagine what it's like when I talk about Destiny. And also, I wanted to say, I think I was in that stream when he got, when you were, same exact moment you were talking about. Um, and then <sighs> I could see the frustration where you're like, Oh, so you got both the drops you wanted immediately on your second run, and you're probably going to get rid of them, because I think that's what he was going to do, or at least one yeah, of them? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he got he got one of the things he wanted again, but he's an enchanter, so he just disenchanted it. Oh. And I was just like, I mean, because we all greeted on it, but of course he won that, you know, like, it's, it's I don't know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's still fun. I'm still having fun with it, but I have to do quests for a while, because... The dungeon grind questing in World of Warcraft. Yeah, ironically enough, yeah, I got to do Battle of Darrowshire next, so that's a uh, yeah. It's weird yeah. how you're describing Blackrock Depths because uh, it sounds like you're farming the the arena for the most part, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can do it once every seven or eight minutes. Yeah, and since I have never played Classic, I never really did it by segment. It was either and uh, like later on the renditions, you basically had like four different uh ways that you would pop in to do this one dungeon like uh for example when you're looking for group uh aka you know queuing up like in league of legends they'd put you in front of a certain section of this giant ass dungeon like mm -hmm. you know uh, complete the whole dungeon if you were smooth could take an hour hour and a half if not oh, much yeah. longer than that and so when I first did it, there wasn't looking for group, so, you know, doing that run would take a while, but there was enough gear and stuff that we could kind of burn through it for the most part, that, like, gear that uh, post-classic versions of us would have the advantage over doing. Oh, yeah. But and, and with the segments, we could just run this one segment over and over again until we, you know, burn through it, and then we could continue if we really wanted to, but it's weird knowing that you were getting the ye old hardcore mode of that and i got the hey uh here's your baby rattle baby enjoy your version of this that's you know at least you know half as difficult like it, it, it was much easier after a while and yeah. I, I sympathize with you you are the uh the veteran i wish i was i'm a warrior <laughs> i mean you are a night elf warrior yes that's true yeah no but i mean the beauty is that like for the most part, there's easy ways to do the things you want to do. There's a lava skip to get to the princess if you want to do princess runs. There's uh, a quick shot through unlocked doors if you have this special key where you can kill, like, a mob and hop into the arena. You know, like, so there's some ways around it. Then the only thing you have to worry about is having entered too many instances, uh, which kind of sucks. But, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I'm glad some of my buddies that were kind of out of it. One of my buddies is still just just living in outer worlds right now so he hasn't played in 14 days i don't think so uh, oh jeez yeah 14 days straight and he's just like i'm in outer worlds because i've heard outer worlds is amazing which is something i might be playing soon just because it looks cool okay. i was gonna ask uh, have you gotten a chance to play it yet or no no but it's on xbox uh, live gold if you get the gold pass you can play it on pc or xbox for you know eight bucks a month so is the gold pass like a game pass or is yeah. it uh yeah that, I, maybe that's okay. what it is yeah game pass with a yeah, I, microsoft i've game never pass touched or... xbox stuff so you could tell me a gold pass <laughs> and i would believe you at this point yeah but it yeah, is go yeah. over over on your end uh has there been any good progress for you with uh shadow keep um I, I want I want to say yes. 
it's been it's been an interesting experience with destiny this this season uh season ends on the 10th of december i like pve is in a very good spot uh pvp not so much there are a bunch of issues i don't really want to go into too much i just i've been trying to get through like the season things because they've titles and achievements that they've now introduced are exclusive to the seasons um and yeah. so i'm trying to go for a title that i can only get uh by the 10th of december and then give like uh, things that i'd have to do with school and stuff i haven't had much time and also i've talked about my lack of interest in playing most other games until next week mm-hmm. so my original plan was the i finish on the 2nd of december and then i was going to give myself those 8 days to just grind everything out but then i've kind of started to do some of that to help me keep up and it's just I I don't know what it is. I'm just not feeling it right now. I'm 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 just not and I think part of it is because uh, the friend group that I usually play with uh, life has happened. So, you know, some people have got new jobs, so they're playing at different times. Uh some people have found other friends to play with, so they're playing with them and doing all the bigger activities with them. And it's not that they wouldn't play with me. I just don't want to bother them. I I think it's very like game room like I just don't It's very Canadian is what it is. Jeez. <laughs> like I you know, like I like if I if there's a specific quest for like a weapon that's a little challenging but I know they were they already have it I don't want to be like hey do you want to just help me out really quick with this uh like an EO sorry I don't want to be a bother yeah so yeah no like it's it's I'm not not having fun but it's nothing too super exciting I think part of it is I'm playing a comp uh in destiny which is not the best experience right now especially cuz i'm at the higher end so early on when they started introducing uh playlist specific weapons there was a weapon called luna's hell where you'd have to get uh so this the the glory like ranking which is the comp ranking goes from 0 to 5500 um you had to mm-hmm. get up to 2100 and do a bunch of other things and you get and you could get this uh hand cannon you can get this weapon luna's hell And then when you do that you get a quest to get the not forgotten which is Luna's Hall but better but you have to hit max rank. And so Ooh. that was never ever in the cards for me until this season when they introduced a new playlist called the freelance playlist for comp where they put you they only match make you with other solo players. So you're not going mm-hmm. up against teams and just getting completely like pub stomp. Yeah, that's um, that's cool that, though. That's, that's good. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and it has been actually very good until I got to the point where I am now. So I'm sitting at yesterday I was sitting at 4500. Um Ooh. so I got up to about 4500 pretty easy. I think I peaked at 5570. And so I've just been going up and down now between 4000 and 5000 <laughs> and it's just been very frustrating thing because there are things in the game that have needed to be addressed for months, almost a year in fact and and Bungie just hasn't done it for whatever fucking reason. I honestly think I will always be of the mindset that certain weapons like grenade launchers in the game and you guys don't have any reference for this, but there's some of the most broken dead brain Bro, I played, types I played of- with the Galahorn. I played with the Galahorn. Well, in no, the, in the OG yeah. days like the Galahorn was okay, broken. Okay, yeah, but but the Galahorn you had to pick up heavy. Here I'm talking about a grenade launcher oh, that sits yeah. in your primary slot that you can use whenever you want. That all you yeah. got to do is just look in the general direction of a motherfucker and they're dead. And it is one of the yeah. most stupid things and I truly believe that Bungie and this is all like tin foil hat theory. Bungie introduced <laughs> a type of weapon that they needed to use to play their own game because they're dog shit at their own game. I truly believe that that's what they did. They can't compete with the people that have become so good at their own game. They're like, we need to give ourselves a crutch. So they introduced this weapon type, and I fucking hate it. I'm done talking about that. I wonder if that's Destiny. the equivalent of uh, 
of the uh, noob tube back in like modern warfare days. You mean like today? Have, have you heard of uh, modern noob warfare? Tube? Is that again? <laughs> true. That that is true. I'm not sure if it's in the new one, but there was uh, the running joke where they needed. You know, people needed an easy way to win, and you would be able to have a gun where you attach a grenade at the very end of it, and you'd be able to shoot this at somebody, and is basically like shooting a grenade that would ex- explode instantly. So if you could just aim at somebody or at their feet, they explode it. It was poof, kill yep. a bunch of people, and you'd get two of those, and it's like you d- you don't need logic, and it has the you know the damage far greater than that of a shotgun. You just got to point in the right direction, and boom, they're gone. Sounds yeah. about sounds or, about right, and we do call them noob, noob tubes. In fact, I, we have at some point, and have been for a while, um, because there's one specific type of grenade launcher that it doesn't really it doesn't detonate until you release the trigger. So you could be standing around a fucking corner, bounce it off a wall, and then release the tri- trigger, and then still kill somebody without even seeing somebody. That's fucked, yo. Uh... Uh, I mean, think, uh, if you had ahead. to throw it, I mean, it makes sense because, like, that's like just a timed detonator. But like, so yeah, you launch it, and you like, you launch it at a wall, bounce it off into a corner that you can't see, and you just keep holding it until you somehow know that that person's there. Let go of the trigger, and they're dead. Because a grenade is an auto kill. Like, why is that busting through shield and health? Be- yeah, no, it just yeah, no, it does enough damage to just strong. kill. Yeah, okay. yeah, dumb. If anything, they should just nerf the damage. That's all they need to do. It no, like. if anything, they need Big to get it out of the Glenn fucking game. Here. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out, Bungie. You're going to hire me, and I'm going to make people <laughs> like your game more. I say the check's in the mail. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Glenn Houston has been, you know, he solved the mystery of balancing all of our guns. Nerf the damage. Nerf for really as well. all over the place. <laughs> you know, Glenn's just moving all this algebra into these two words. Nerf it. <laughs> beyond beyond the PvP, like PvE is good. They've given you a lot of things to do this season, and it's been um, it's been healthy. I'd like to say, um, especially because they're going for this whole evolving world thing. They have been saying that for a while, but now we're actually kind of seeing it. We're seeing physical changes in some of the social areas that have that change oh. week to week. So that's uh, it's it's cool. I'm excited to see PvE at least what happens over the next year until the next big drop. Cool. Okay. Okay. Good deal. Uh, over on my end, I've been playing uh, Shocker, Luigi's Mansion 3. I'm trying to beat it uh, so I can pick up another game that I've gotten recently. And uh, I, once again, I'm going to say this is probably my favorite Switch game that's come out this year, by far. Like, I'm trying to think of any other games that came out this uh, year for uh, Switch. And I'm trying to, like, the, the big contender is what? Maybe Let's Go Pikachu? It doesn't have much comp- you know, competition, but by far, it's been such a fantastic experience. Uh, so far, out of the 15 floors, I think I just beat uh, floor 10. And I know that doesn't mean anything like, you know, I'm two-thirds of the way, essentially. And it's nice because before, like, for example, uh, with Luigi's Mansion 2 Dark Moon, you would go to, like, five or six different mansions, and they would have their own theme and boss at the very end. And, you know, it was okay. But with this hotel thing, I'm able, each floor is a fucking amusement park ride, essentially. Like, there's been one floor where it was medieval, and I got to fight a king that's jousting with me. And uh, I had to hit the bottom floor, uh, you know, at a certain point, And I had to fight this redneck Billy that gave me the fucking time of my life as I did battle with him in a spiked bathtub, essentially, on a inflatable duck. 
Like it, it, it's been such a bizarre experience. Yeah, fighting <laughs> bosses, and you know, I, I don't want to get too crazy in spoilers and stuff, but it like the boss fights have been so unique than just hit him with a flash at a certain time and then you know suck him up. Be and this is the most we've seen bosses like this before. Uh, the first uh, Luigi's Mansion only had like maybe seven or eight. Uh, the second one maybe had uh, six or seven, if I recall. And like every single floor has a boss, and both, you know, or all of them have been memorable. I have loved each and every one of them. The only thing I've noticed is I'm having trouble with certain puzzles and whatnot that are time based. And if you run out of time, you die. And so I start hearing that music, and I don't do good under time related pressure. Like, uh, there might be a thing that's like, oh, you got to do this before, you know, uh, a ceiling with spikes fall down on you. And it's like, uh-oh, that's not good. Uh, you have two minutes to do it. Uh, it should only take you 30 seconds. Ah, you know, I'll spend a, a minute and a half. It's like, why are these snakes biting me? I'm just trying to, you know, pull the switch, get off me. And it's been a little frustrating that I've kind of impeded my own progress when everybody else is saying that everything in this game has been easy. Uh, it's kind of frustrating that... There's been times where it feels like I have no idea what the fuck I'm supposed to do. Mm. And it, there's uh, you can basically go to what is called EGAD's hotline. Uh, Professor EGAD is the guy since the very first game that's been the one that hooked up, uh, hooked you up with your uh, your vacuum equipment and all that. And so you, you, you can call him saying, hey, uh, maybe you should, you know, do this exact weak spot. And that's how, it, you know, it'll work. And it's like... Okay, how the fuck do I do that? Or, you know, he, he just, like, spells it out to you in, like, the most simple English, and it's like, just do this, and, you know, good things will happen. I'm like, fuck. And it's it's upsetting that there's, like, pretty much a walkthrough in this NPC that's constantly following me, and I can access it, but it's a thing of pride. It's like, I don't want to access it. <laughs> and there's been once or twice... There's been once or twice, uh, yeah, uh, where I hit a basically a, a stop point where there's a puzzle where you can't progress unless you complete it and I would just sit there for like a half hour trying to figure out what the fuck I should be doing and sometimes it's so simple that it stares you dead in the face and it's my own incompetence that stops me from doing it but sometimes it's like the power of bullshit and I, I know I, it sounds like I'm speaking poorly of this game I mean obviously I always have criticism I'm not gonna lie but other than that whenever i'm able to get to the parts where i can say fuck you to the game i immediately start enjoying it again it's been a good blast the music has been thrilling i love the interaction that's been going on that we have never seen in a different luigi's mansion game and it's giving off some cool vibes i think this would be a potential contender for game of the year good i praise so, yeah i know right yeah but that's it's been a busy week. I've only been able to sink in like another, you know, six or seven hours into it. I'm about two thirds of the way done. I think uh, if it's like any other fucking Luigi's Mansion game, I'll probably have to backtrack and catch all the booze, which was a common practice to, you know, get to the, the final boss or some shit. And the idea of that kind of makes me want to rip my hair out. But catching <laughs> booze is kind of, it, it, catching booze is fun, but frustrating. Uh, Guiji will start vibrating, uh, aka your controller, so you'll have a little pack of goo in your back that'll start shaking whenever there's a boo nearby. And so you turn into this treasure hunt, hunt this thing down, and you activate the boo catch scene by opening up, uh, like a dresser or something like that in the given room. Problem is, though, if you open up the wrong thing in that room, 
the boo will come out and say, hi, I'm this funny boo name here. Fuck you. You didn't catch me, loser. And then he would go to a different room. You got to go to a different room and play the guessing game again. Like, is it this dresser drawer or the, the wardrobe? And then eventually you, you know, uh, do the boo scene. And I think the, the boo catching scene is probably one of the funniest things I've seen in quite a while. Uh, trying to shine out a boo from invisibility and then beating the shit out of it from its tongue by swinging around like a lasso. Very satisfying. But I can tell you guys are super interested in this because uh, so much interaction. Let's move over to the modular segment. Everybody's hyped. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn, do you approve of this modular segment? If not, I I'd love, love to it. hear. I love okay. it. Okay. I was worried. You know, I was like, oh, man, is he going to approve of this? No, it's uh, great. I appreciate you. Thank you. So the topic came up sometime in the Discord chat between uh, Nick, Nick, and I uh, about collector's edition. Uh, we're, you know, paying $60 for a game sometimes seems like a little bit too much at times. But, you know, that's the, the base price for a lot of games in today's modern age. And it, it's gone up and down and depending on, you know, different types of games and whatnot. But there's always been that elusive... You know you're gonna like this game, won't you, buddy? Let's you know, give me a shit ton of money and I'll give you a keychain. And I was thinking, when's the last time I bought a collector's edition? What about you guys? Uh, when's the last time you bought one? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the lead here. I've never bought a collector's edition. What? Yeah. You've never bought like a special edition of Destiny or anything like that? I bought deluxe editions. I've never bought collector's editions. I actually bought I mean, the Destiny edition PlayStation Four. I mean that. That's uh, I mean, that's a collector's console versus a collector's game. But it, and the, I'm a big collector. I have every alternate cover for every D and D supplement that's ever come out. <laughs> so except for the uh, Beetle and Grim ones, the Platinum Edition Beetle and Grim ones are like five or six hundred dollars. That's so a lot of dollars. Yeah. So I have always been of the thought that people, well, not people. I'm not going to judge the people that do it. I always thought that collector editions of games were overpriced for a bunch of bullshit. It's like, uh, you know, and nowadays you think if you pay an extra $20 for it, like, it's weird because collector's editions feels like it's slowly switched over to like season passes and stuff, or, you know, just extra bonus DLC if you buy the, oh, collector's edition, you know, weird how that works out. Anyways, back then it was usually like they give you a free physical shit. Uh, with either collector's edition or pre-order, you get a cool poster, you get a keychain, uh, maybe some kind Statue. of uh, hat. Yeah, and uh, I always thought it wasn't worth the price. I got excited at first, you know, at the ideas. Like I think there was one Modern Warfare or a Call of Duty game worth. <laughs> if you buy the collector, yeah, the night vision goggles yeah, when you buy worth. it, it's like that. <laughs> it seems cool as shit. Or Halo Three, the legendary uh, edition, where you got a Master Chief helmet. The the Spartan helmet, or even Skyrim came with a really cool big dragon like statue. Did it? Yeah, this, the legendary edition of Skyrim was just fire. Yeah. The problem is though, I never thought it was either, well either I didn't think it was worth two hundred dollars, which you know that was the average price as it turns out, or you know somewhere I would say actually like the average when uh, over in American Buckaroos it was like a hundred and fifty or something like that or hundred and twenty like it was. Pretty far up there for uh, you know double the price at least to get in that that big mama version. I either didn't like that or I couldn't fucking afford it. But there was one time that I fell for it, where I was like, oh man, they're offering too much on the table. I couldn't resist. I knew if I passed it up, I would probably never see this kind of stuff ever again. 
Should I make you guys guess uh, what game series I could possibly buy a collector's edition of a game from? I'm trying to think of what it would have been. Nick's going to say it right off the bat. It's on the tip of his tongue. He's just waiting for him to stop talking. I'm not going to say it. I, I was going to say when it comes to collector's editions, I was never in a position where I could afford it. And here I'm talking about collector's editions where it's it comes with stuff. Um, I mean, I have gotten pre-ordered things. I've gotten posters for a few games where I pre-ordered. Um, we, you mentioned it, Tyler. Like uh, the Destiny Digital Deluxe editions just come with the full like season pass for like the year, right? So that's the most I've done. I've not ever been in a position where I could afford a collector's uh, edition. Nor have I really ever felt interest. Like they've always been cool things, but you know, I've just never like I'm always looking for a good deal. So it's never been something that's been for me. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Uh, I agree. Usually that's me too. I just can't afford it, you know. So that's the only, you know, as much as I love Skyrim, if you pre-ordered it, you got a dope, like, almost parchment sort of quality map of Skyrim, which was really cool, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, I don't need a dragon statue as much as that would be cool, you know? (laughs) And also there's the whole thing of, like, and this this was not the question whatsoever, and I don't, I'm not trying to get us into it, but then, like, why digital and physical the same price kind of thing, right? Uh, And it's... Like I said, I don't want to get into it because that's a whole other conversation, but then that kind of leads into everything. I mean, Why if I... you want to jump in, we can because, do it. I mean, there have been plenty of physical copies that I've gotten, like the Witcher 3 physical copy came with a bunch of stickers and a map, but then why does the digital cost the exact same thing when you're not getting anything with it except for the game? I feel for you, man. Uh, like, the price to get it all uh, put onto a disc and all that, getting it pressed and all that shit, you'd think that if you got the digital version... Uh, they would try to reward you in some way, saying, hey, they're the same price because this is how much the game costs, right? And it's like, is, is that like an open secret of the industry that they charge us the same price for digital versus a physical? I feel like that's kind of like when movies convert to 3D, just to price, you know, price it a little higher. That's what digital I mean, is. You can only see it. They're just like, it's digital. You, you don't have to wait for the copy. You can get it as soon as it comes out. You don't have to wait in the line. You know, it's convenience. But we're not going to give you as much stuff, you know? Hmm. Hmm. And then... But I'm it still reminds stuff. me... There is one game that I got kind of pissed off about once I realized what happened here was... Uh, there are some games, like indie games, that are digital only. So you can imagine, you know, uh, it, it's a thing. And so I bought this game digitally knowing I couldn't buy it physically. And then about six years later... I'm just going to say it out loud. It was a game called Pain for the PlayStation 3. And I loved the shit out of that game. But after like five or six years, it said my license has expired and I'm no longer able to play that game. And that is fucked. And so the idea that someone can do that to you and you either have to buy the game again or some shit like that. What? Just, Your license has expired? Yeah, I I was flabbergasted. I was no longer able to play the game that I bought digitally. That sounds like if at the time, if, if, if... It sounds like grounds for filing a lawsuit because yeah. this is, this is. A, I'm pretty sure this is against DRM, isn't it? Like you own like the license. To, yeah, it's not like you were sharing it or anything. It's the only time it's ever happened to me, thankfully. And I'd like to think that uh, either Sony, you know, has done better about that kind of shit, or it just simply hasn't been long enough that I haven't tried a game, you know, buying a game or playing it after that many years. But there was a point where I got rejected from playing a game that I paid for. And it was all legal and stuff. It was on the PS3. I 
bought it, paid for it, and it was there. And Did they just stop supporting the servers and then they used that as an excuse or something? It's an offline game. What? I, That's I know. so weird. I mean, the other possibility I could think of would be... Uh, it wasn't on my original PlayStation 3. I think I'd gone through, like, maybe three PlayStation 3s over the course of my time. That maybe that one day I decided to get on my third PlayStation 3. It's like, you actually can't download this game this many times because uh, you already got it for the first PS3s. Which, again, seems kind of scummy. But yeah, I don't know. You know. It's my ignorance right now. But I know if I buy a physical game, 99.9% of the time, if I pop into anything, I'm going to be able to play without any kind of problems. True. Unless, you know, it's like Halo 3 and I want to play online. Uh, it's probably not going to happen. So I do think they are incentivizing it by uh, specifically Microsoft. By like, you know, like, it's uh, what is it? If you have a physical copy of a game, you can't play it on crossplay. You can't. So if I buy Sea of Thieves for my Xbox versus buying it digitally, if I buy it right. digitally, now I can play it on my computer too. You know, like that feels... At very least, that incentivizes it because it's usable on multiple consoles. So mm. that I, that's where a little bit of the value lies when I look at it. Personally. I want to agree with you for the most part. Uh, I didn't know about this early on when the Play Anywhere was like going live. I don't think they made that very clear. And so I bought uh, Gears 4 physical thinking that I would be able to play it on my PC. Oh. Because I owned the game. I mean, mm. in hindsight... It seems stupid, but then I think my logic was, oh, I own the game. They could probably, you know, whatever, register the copy or something to my account. So I should just be able to play it. But then, no, it's tied to the disc. And so because you could take the disc to anybody else's Xbox and play it there. So it makes sense. And which is why I'm saying it yeah. just seemed like a silly idea. But yeah, it, uh, I agree with you there. And like, it's there's plenty of incentives now from Xbox aside, where, especially with the Game Pass, which is like, honestly, it's a good fucking deal for the most part to get you access to so many games. Um, but yeah, no, Tyler, what what is the, the collector's edition you fell for? I bought two in my life. Uh, the one that I bought uh, first was a game called The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Back when it came out in 2006, November 11th, I believe. Oh, Legend of Zelda game. What a shocker. I couldn't have guessed it. Never would have guessed in a million years that you spent money on a collector's edition for Legend of Zelda. Amazing. I'm very surprised. Weird. November 18th. I'd like to apologize. I'm going <laughs> to disregard that little pot shot you took at me. But <laughs> listen, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the, the hands off the point at you. But wait, you got to listen. There's a good reason for this, Nick. Uh, There's more. <laughs> so there was a lot of incentives at the time that just made it really worth it i don't know how much a uh a wii stick is that what they call it what uh, do they call the fucking the wii i think that's uh, what they're called yeah the wii motes wii motes that's it wow i <laughs> we live in a society holy shit i can't believe i didn't remember that uh so wii motes i don't know how much they were back then uh like 30 or 40 bucks and <laughs> man does making fun of me in the chat for calling it a wii stick anyways <laughs> uh so you know, the the base game was $60, and I believe the collector's edition was uh, $90 or 100 And with that game, if you got the collector's edition, you got a custom Legend of Zelda Wiimote. And since they were already worth $30, $40 bucks already, that paid in itself. Plus, I know they weren't selling it separately anywhere. So I knew if I got this bundle, I would get that. 
And along with that, I also got a 25th anniversary edition of a orchestra CD that, you know, they basically had their Nintendo powered orchestra remake all the songs from Legend of Zelda and put on the CD. Yeah, that and sounds that great. Was a, that was a fantastic deal. Yeah. And so the idea I was able to play the next Zelda game that came out, and mind you, the last Zelda game that came out was... Uh, I said 2006, and I apologize for that. Uh, that was Twilight Princess. This was the first Zelda game in five years, so you can imagine me high and dry after five years finally able to play a fucking Zelda game again. And, oh man, being able to play it and uh, being nerdy with this little golden Wiimote was probably the most thrilling experience for me at the time. It's still, I still remember to this day when I finally beat that game. Within 10 minutes of beating that game, my dad suggested I should sell it. He was like, you should trade it. And it's like, I'm going to keep this Wiimote forever. <laughs> because once again, I, I'm pretty sure they've no, never sold it separately. Like uh, once that ran out, it was gone. And I still have it. Uh, to this day, it's sitting about five feet away from me in this uh, little uh, drawer that I have over here. And it's probably awesome. one of my most treasured items. And it still works. Makes me happy. Yeah. That's really cool. There, there is one other collector's edition I bought. I just bought. I just bought it recently, and uh, it's currently in the mail. It should be here on Monday. Anyways, uh, is there? What is uh, it? Uh, la la lu la lo. Am I supposed to know what that means? Next time, you're muted. I mean, I can, I can, I can say what I said if you want me to. If not, I'll keep my lips shut. Is it just sword and shield? No, like, if no, like we'd be boasting about collector's editions of Sword and Shield if we bought them. I think Tyler's apprehensive about the upcoming discussion because Tyler recently purchased the collector's edition of Death Stranding. Oh, nice! That'll be cool. Maybe we'll find out, bro. I've <laughs> heard. Second. I don't know. I've heard kind of mixed reviews, but it sounds like a game that if you like narrative and stuff like that, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm excited to hear about what you think of Death Stranding. So. Well, you're going to have to wait until I do a lot of things, because until I play the game proper, my opinion means nothing. So the topic of the show is called Criticizing the Criticizers. Ooh. With La Le Lu Le Lo now out, people are being divisive about their reviews of the game, and people are calling out some of the reviewers for not giving the game a proper look-through. And so I wanted to ask you guys, what does a reviewer need to do to be convincing enough to give a review or strong opinion of the game? Now, this stemmed off because I initially wanted to get Death Stranding so I could shit on it, which is a a, a, a very crude and uh, illogical method of, you know, doing something. You should not, unless you are like a video game company reviewer and you just know in your gut as they hand you the copy, you know, that this game's probably going to be bad. You probably shouldn't just buy a game just so you could crap on it with the rest of the crowd. That being said, I've heard from different people that I really respect their opinions of either praise it the high heaven or dump on it viciously. And, you know, the topic came up uh, when the, uh, sorry, uh, cool VIP Nick in the chat, uh, you know, announced that he bought Death Stranding. And uh, I, you know, started to say some uh, fine words, but then I kind of got cut out because as Nick made a point, I've never played the game. And so I was curious because this topic has come up uh, time and time again. How much of a game should somebody play before they can properly give a review? Glenn, your thoughts. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, 
I don't know. I think the purpose of a review is to give people who are... It's supposed to be a spoiler-free, like, what can you look forward to? I don't know. I don't want somebody to give me an in-depth review on the entire game. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I think it's person to person. I feel like it's kind of like Twitch. You don't like how they're reviewing the game? Then read a different one. That's kind of how I feel about it. Ah, the old doctor's second opinion. Yeah, it's like, oh, great. You know, like on Twitch, somebody was talking about, you know, people just shitting on their channels and they're like, listen, I'm a content creator. You don't like my content, you can leave. Don't, don't stay. Oh, great. You don't like my review? Then read a different one. I'm giving you my unbiased opinion, whether or not that was done in a way that you want me to have filled out a set of, you know, I don't think, I don't think they need to meet a specific set of requirements. Yeah. Should they have played the game? Yes. How much should they have played the game? I think as long as they preface, this is based on this many hours of experience, I've played it this much, and this is my impression, then nobody can shit on them. Because if it's like, well, if you played it for 100 instead of 60 hours, well, maybe I didn't have time, I'm sorry. You know, like, I gave the preface, this is my impression of the game at this point. So I don't know. I don't feel like, I feel like people are just being, I don't know, if if people are getting that picky, then they just need to, like, take a step back and look at where they're coming from, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Nick, uh, when you and what's up? I was gonna say that's 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 me. But when uh, Nick and I was talking in the Discord chat, it basically boiled down that Nick does not like the idea of uh, parroting uh, somebody repeating somebody else's opinion with uh, without developing any of their own in the matter, but using their opinion of others as the way you know you're, you're just reflecting what they're saying when you have no idea if the game is actually good in your own you know personal reference. Mm. Uh, what are your think uh, thoughts there, Nick? I mean, I agree with um, everything Glenn said. Like, I think context is important on the kind of review. If you are doing a spoiler-based review, how could you give a credible review if you haven't played the game, right? If you're giving a spoiler-free review and you want people to, like, understand kind of what they're getting into it, if you put anywhere between 3 to 10 hours, you can say, like, oh, yeah, I've, I put only a little bit of time into it, but this is my initial thought so far on what you can expect from this game. So I think my whole my whole stake in that argument was the fact that uh, was more uh, based around credibility. How if you want to appear as a credible reviewer, how can you review something without playing it? How could you how could you review a movie without watching the movie? How can you know how could you review yeah. a kind of food or a kind of cuisine without eating that kind of food or cuisine? Uh, that that's purely it. If you want to do a mock review and just shit on a game, by all means, go ahead. If you haven't played the game and you still want to review it, by all means, go ahead. You don't. Nobody's telling you not to. It's just how credible would your opinion be, right? So if you if you're the kind of person who bases your reviews or ideas on games based on other people, then go ahead, do that. But then don't sit and. Um, you know, spout your word as the only word that matters or that your review is important of a game that you haven't played, but you know what the game's like based of what un, uh, based of what other people have said. Um, and right. I think part of that conversation led to what if, you know, and I said, if you've watched extensive gameplay, I think that would be a good substitute because it also depends on the game. You'd be able to comment on the narrative, the flow and the overall aesthetic and how the game might feel, uh, but you wouldn't UI be able to comment. Yeah. yeah, but you wouldn't be able to comment on how the game actually felt to play, how the game mechanics worked, because actually feeling them on a controller or a keyboard feels a lot different from just watching somebody play it, which is why I think uh, to 
to th that point, what stands is when we were talking about Become Human around the time that came. Become uh, Detroit Become Human is very much a uh, more of a narrative game. Uh, game. It's 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 a story based game, story driven game. And it's art. And we were able to talk about it because uh, I think at that point we'd all watched quite a bit of gameplay of people playing and taking all the different story paths and stuff. So from that point of view, I think that was. Um, uh, a, a fairly credible kind of like review that we did or when we were discussing the game uh, and then if we were to talk about things that we on casual master quest have done that have not been credible i think it would be fallout 76 right where we proceeded to shit on fallout 76 without playing the game oh yeah and i think the only person who did was brandon is is that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. uh and because it also comes down like does this look like a kind of game you're gonna enjoy if you're not gonna enjoy it because uh, Tyler did bring up the question should I buy a game just to give it a bad review I'm like what's the point in spending money on something you've decided you're already gonna hate so you can give the narrative on a podcast and I think mm, I and don't be know honest, I, incredible I, I just think that it reviews to me have become very important uh, just because I've gotten burned by a lot of games that I've pre-ordered based on what they showed me at E3 or right. based on what trailer showed me and so personally i just want to see if there's a general consensus mm -hmm. because i know what i appreciate in games so when i read reviews if they say something they're like this this and this and the ui and this and this and this certain things don't really matter that much to me as a gamer but if the things that i'm looking for are presented in several reviews and i talk to people that i know that have played it and that's that point is when i'm gonna be like yeah cool i'm down but like by no means am I going to shit on somebody else's review. I have a friend who is die hard in love with Fallout 76. Even though the consensus about that game is that it is trash. I've never played it. I've never played it. But I've heard it's a hot pile of garbage. And I trust enough people that have told me that, that I'm not going to spend money on it. So what if they like it and I don't? You know? Like, so what if they like it and nobody does? If they want to... Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like people are taking too many things... It has to be like a universal truth. It doesn't. It doesn't. Somebody can like something and you cannot yeah. like it. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't care if people are divisive about reviews. Like they can be, the reviews can be different and defer because people have different opinions. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's That's healthy. And, and it's interesting with Death Stranding yeah. specifically how polarizing it is. And I think that just goes to, I think, I think that's just more of a testament of Kojima's vision of what he wants to do overall not specifically for Death Stranding and I haven't really read any of the reviews I just know that people are like super polarized about it I haven't seen any gameplay and I just find it fascinating that this one man uh, who has this crazy big vision split off from Konami is like I'm gonna do this and this entire time we've all been just like what the fuck is Death Stranding and people are still even the ones who've had good reviews uh, good things to say about Death Stranding are like I'm just as confused as I was before after I played the game. Um, and so I think that's uh, interesting to see in terms of, um, as a game, what he tried to do with it. I think he was just trying to... I think he was just trying to make a game, not a game to do well or a game that played a certain... I think he was just trying to make a game. And he made it's a game that, that he wanted he would to... like? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, yeah. What would you think would happen if Kojima and David Cage worked together on a story? Who's David Cage? Uh, so David Cage is the... I don't know what his title is. Director, I guess. Creative. Uh, we'll call him uh, his own big boss equivalent. He's a uh, person in charge of the stories for games of uh, Quantic Dreams, I believe it was called, uh, such as Heavy Rain, uh, Detroit oh. Become Human, 
uh, two something. I would, there was another two one. Souls yeah. To, yeah, I can't remember. And just, like his stories are uh, creative. Uh, like I would say Kojima, if Kojima was a ten on the wackiness of some uh, stories. I would say that David Cage's is somewhere between like a six and seven, a, quite a bit more mild, but still up there. And I would be interested in seeing how Kojima and David Cage could like create something together. But I feel like it would be like a cage match. I don't think they would work well together because no, I, I don't think they would either. No, because they're too I, creative. Yeah, it's not even that they're they're too alpha in the storytelling. Uh, they each have their own styles and they each want to do what they want to do and so they just wouldn't mesh together unless they happen to find some kind of like base idea that they both loved and agreed with. Unless that happened, I mean, they wouldn't be able to build on that, I think. We've seen what happens when two alphas or more get put together in a, you know, a media setting. I mean, we got Fast and the Furious. Facebook. Or, you know, what? Huh? Well, there was two alphas at the head of Facebook. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, I'm going to say we can do Apple, Apple as well, then, yeah. I guess, if we're going to go Apple, with that. Apple, yeah. <laughs> Some pretty cool things have come out of it. It's just usually one ends up getting shit on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think in this cage, Kojima would chew the fuck out of David Cage. He'd just shit on him. Honestly, I think, I think Kojima's unstoppable now. <laughs> I, I think right now. And this was just me listening to an experience. Uh, there was one of those uh, fancy uh, launch parties uh, Kojima and crew had where everybody, you know, was in this giant fancy art exhibit of a party where, you know, everybody was enjoying their stuff. And there was drinks with babies in it, like little plastic uh, babies. You know, it's like that kind of shit. You can imagine it. And Kojima and whatnot were at this party. Uh, shout out uh, specifically the Dan Rucker of uh, Giant Bomb for talking about this, where all they cared about was hearing a number. Uh, what was your Metacritic score? And like Kojima and the crew was, you know, they'd shake hands, they'd take pictures and say, hey, what did you give us? And it was kind of weird how like self-conscious they were about it. It felt like uh, they were putting on all the flares, but like just right behind the curtain, you're like, are we doing good? Uh, and it was like, they didn't care about the criticism. They just wanted to make sure that the number was good. And that kind of threw me off. So when you say Kojima's unstoppable, I still feel like he's being him and the, his PR crew specifically is being like a little insecure about things right now because uh, they are expecting to hear tens across the board. But right now, the general consensus is the people that are praising him are giving him a 9.5. But the people that aren't, you know, that aren't drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, are giving it like a, a 60 out of 100. And for some reason, they're not taking that all. Well, I Which shouldn't is say still a decent score i mean it's not bad a six out of but, ten is still passing you know but when this artist our little da vinci over well not da vinci our van gogh you know has created his starry nights for the first time this classical masterpiece in his mind at the very least goes onto the board and they're like eh, i can give you a 300 for it and it's like what you you, you dare give my something you know less than a perfect and a lot of people are arguing that uh, the, the game might not be the best, but at the same time, the premise of it is an art. An art that has never been seen in the, the video game world, and yeah. it's interesting. That's everything I'm the, hearing, is that, you know, like, the gameplay and I everything think, aside, it's just like, it's the voice acting, the, the character, the capturing of the actors working, the story that's set up for you, is just like, freaking primo. And, like, even the soundtracks, I've heard, it's just awesome. So, like, 
I'm like, I had no interest in this game, and I've heard so many, like, just interesting things, not necessarily good things, interesting things, that I'm like, maybe, maybe I need to play this game. <laughs> and I think that's why it's so de- uh, divisive right now, and we talked about this in the last podcast, uh, if somebody were to review this purely on a gameplay scale, it's probably going to suffer quite a bit because he's not going specifically as a video game at this point. He said it himself. He's trying to create a new genre. Yeah. And some people are buying into that and like, okay, let's try this new medium of sorts and it's paying off well, but the harsh critics are like, all right, but you still need a, you know, a video game setting here and it's suffering here. It's weird because Metal Gear Solid wasn't exactly, uh, what's the term here? Uh, bound well by story, but it was able to, you know, keep somewhat grounded by the fact that it was still technically a stealth game and, you know, making it a stealth game, giving you objectives of that story, kept it as a game, but it feels like this one, it's like you're, it's, it, you know, it's a UPS uh, simulator essentially. And that is such a very cold watered down version of what it actually is. But from the gameplay perspective, that or perspective, that's exactly what you're doing. You're you're walking around delivering packages. But there's much more to it that you're supposed to, you know, accept. And once you uh, suspend any belief about what a video game should be, then it starts to get good. Mm. Maybe I don't know. I don't have any credibility. All right, so apparently me just trying to establish uh, an objective uh, foundation for how people should conduct certain reviews is a fucking bullshit opinion. All I was going to say is that it depends on your expectations for anything that you go into. If you're going into something thinking that it's going to be a bad experience, you're probably going to have a bad time. If you go into it thinking that I just want to experience it, it's probably going to be, you know, you're going to experience it for what it is. So I think across the board, no matter what you're trying to experience or create, um... You just have to be ready to take it at face value. I fucking hate Minecraft. I've never played Minecraft, but I own the game now. Thank, like, thanks to uh, Tyler. And I'm just waiting for the day where I play it without hating the game, so that I don't immediately hate the game from launching it. You know, I don't <laughs> want. I want to experience the game for what it is, rather than like, uh, oh, it's gonna be a fucking bad experience. I'm gonna sit down here on this fine Saturday evening, and it's gonna be a shit experience. I'm gonna hate everything about it. And then I launch the game. I am going to hate everything about it. You know what I mean? Yep. I feel like that's really prophecy. hard to do. Yep. Uh, with it Minecraft is. specifically, just because there's so many different mods and shit. I mean, to the frame, the Minecraft is what it is, obviously, but it just feels like it's the groundwork for something greater, depending on how you play it. But yeah, I'm going to say, if you the groundwork don't like for something vanilla, greater, The groundwork for something greater doesn't mean shit if you don't like the art style, which is why I can't get into WoW, which is why I can't get into a lot of games. Like, I just don't like the art style. That's what I look for in certain games that I play, So, which is why I'm never going to touch them, right? Yeah. So we all have our own different uh, things that we look for, and yeah. I got two two words, so four words, but they come in two packages. First two words, texture packs. Second two words, it's just one word. Shaders. I don't give a fuck about playing with blocks, though. Like, really, at the end, of, like, you're still playing with blocks. I can't deal with it, which is why I still haven't touched it. Which is why when I do touch it, I don't want to be upset that I'm going to be playing with blocks. You never got Legos as a child? No, because we cried. I, I'm not going to go into that, but then I remember growing up with four of us in the one-bedroom apartment. So, no, I did not okay. have Legos growing up. <laughs> This is the the darker side of the casual interview of Nick. Oh shit! I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Okay. I mean that that's fair. 
Also, I talked with Nikki. She misses you. Should play Minecraft. Anyways, is there any final thoughts about uh, criticizing criticism? No, because apparently Excellent. thinking about being credible is not good enough, so it's fine. No, I'm, I'm done with that. Oh, dang, Nick. I make a joke and suddenly all the hats drop to the floor. Come on. You can perk up better than that. Look, I if I may give my own final thought. What Nick said in the Discord about credibility and all that stuff, I realized that he was right. As well as the fact is, you know, I listened to one person. He said this game was hot garbage. I decided it must be hot garbage because his, him and my mindset are similar. But then I've been hearing other people speaking great of it. You know, uh, the good things about it. And then I realized that despite the fact that I would like to shit on a game, I also know that my opinions are occasionally wrong. And so I decided that the only way I could decide for myself whether or not a game could be good or not is to buy it myself. And yes, that is why I bought the game Death Stranding, and I'm hoping to give it a shot once the time comes and I get to play, uh, you know, play it after Luigi's Mansion. Heck yeah. Nick? Nick? Yeah. Nick. Nick. Uh, this is Tyler here. I'm talking to you heart to heart. <laughs> I, I, I know in this Yu-Gi-Oh battle, it feels like your life points are getting low. Things are looking tough. But, Yugi boy, this, this is your grandpa. I'm speaking to you now. Believe in the heart of the cards. Ignore this fucker on the other side of the stadium that's giving you trouble with this weird golden eye. You can beat him. <laughs> Yugi says nothing. Okay. Uh, Nick's not buying into my own bullshit, much like I'm not buying into Kojima's. <laughs> uh, who wants to do game releases in uh, this day in gaming? There's some good ones, but I think Nick has to do it just because of one. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take care of them. Um, we've got uh, we've only got a few. Uh, games out and released this week um two very big ones though uh the first one uh starting on the 12th of november coming out on pc the legend of bumbo which from what i checked was a puzzle based game it's a puzzle deck building roguelike game that is a sequel to the binding of isaac um which is very interesting um so that comes out november 12th on pc um, coming up next on the 15th of November is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, uh, PS4, Xbox One, PC, one of the big heavy hitters for this year, and it should be interesting to see what happens, um, because with the Fallen, with Jedi Fallen Order, what they showcased and what the game actually has are very two different things. They showcase very few things throughout all the conventions over the last year, uh, and there's actually so much more to the game, so I'm excited to see what the reviews are going to be like for the game and see whether I'd be interested in picking it up. Um, next, also on the 15th of November, uh, Tokyo Ghoul RE Call to Exist, PS4 and PC. Um, this is not something that I'm familiar with. Does in has anybody heard of this? No. Yeah, Tokyo Ghoul is an anime, so yeah, I'm assuming anime, this. But... You know, say it's the whole RE thing is screams Japanese immediately, so. <laughs> Um, it is a, XD or DX, either or, um, it is a survival action game. Um, yeah, that comes out also on the 15th. And then finally, we've got Pokemon Sword and Shield. The time is here, my friends. November 15th coming cool. out on the Nintendo Switch. Um, PlayStation 4. Just kidding. Imagine. Crazy? Imagine. <laughs> I think the whole world would lose its shit. And that's it for game releases. Okay, no. Um, 
coming up for this day in gaming, November 9th. We only have two games on the big list stuff. and two big names on the list. Uh, funnily enough, I think it was last episode that we talked about how many Call of Duty uh, titles come around this time of the year. And so we have got Call of Duty Black Ops, the first one on PS3, Xbox 360 and PC worldwide 2010. So happy 9th birthday. Yes, I did the math. Happy 9th birthday. Yeah. When it came out on fucking everything. Like, I double-checked because I was like, there's no way this thing came out. Yeah, it fucking came it, out. Everything. It came out everything everywhere on that day. Um, and then I'm pretty sure there's a version for it on the Nokia phone at this point. <laughs> I would imagine. Considering how many Black Ops they've made and they've not been very good. Um, and then finally, Halo 2. Xbox, the original Xbox, 2004. This was before it came out. Or was this after it came out on the PC? Because I'm pretty sure the release dates were really close together, and that was the last Halo game that came out on PC. So happy right. 15, 15th birthday to Halo 2. Holy shit. Um, yeah, holy shit. But that's it for this day in gaming. That was November 9th. Um, yeah. Oh, man. So how are you guys feeling now? Great. Good. Feeling real good. Nick feels invalidated, and now I feel terrible. I'm hoping I can bring you back up. <laughs> Nick drinks his water in disdain. Cool. It's just me then. You can find me on Twitter at two times Tyler. Um, Nick, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitch and uh, Instagram at lr11 or Twitter at lr11th. Hmm. And then Glenn, where what about can you? Find you? Yeah, I'm yeah, on what Twitch. He said. <laughs> Razeth at Razeth. And I'm also on uh, Ready to Roll, which is a lovely little other thing we knew. We do other D&D stuff. And on Twitter, at Glenn Houston looks like Huston. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you want to check out the team Twitter, it's going to be at MasterQuestPod, where you can check out good stuff like uh, our D&D podcast, Casual Questmasters. We post on there as well. Uh, okay, everybody's got, like, hot thoughts right now on the table here. Um, Nikki. Um? Did I thought to me it just seemed like you just stopped mid sentence. Oh, did I? Okay. Uh, yeah, we got a D and D podcast, uh, Casual Quest Masters. Uh, we had a pretty good episode, I like to think, last time. Uh, mm -hmm. Where we where we were together and got along. Yeah, yeah, we're amazing. Yeah, we're slowly building up to the action that's about to it's about to happen. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. And we slapped the hood of a draft horse, I believe. Well, Vol specifically, but you know, uh, sparkle sparks, sparkle sparks. My God hero. damn, I love. <laughs> He's so dreamy. Wait, is sparkle sparks a uh, a stallion or a mare? Um, I don't remember. Odds or evens. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to die right here. Hey? Uh, Odds or evens. Evens. It's a girl. Even better. <laughs> sure. Now that makes sense. It's the uh, the Powerpuff horse. Uh. <laughs> and uh you can also for all check the bronies out, our... out there <laughs> hell yeah man bronies for life I'll, uh you can also check out our discord which is also on twitter nick made a face now i'm nervous i just wasn't sure that um we were expanding our target audience but i'm okay with that hell yeah bronies and anybody else you know in that it's, field uh, it's I'm, I'm sorry it's 2019 i can't kink shame i see I'll keep this in mind. Tyler will remember that. Anyways, I think that's going to be it. That was Glenn. That was Nick. This is Tyler. This has been a weird roller coaster ride of information between the three of us. And I think that's going to be it for the show. I really do appreciate you guys for listening. I hope you guys have yourselves a great week. We'll see you next time. And don't forget, the never stop the grind. Until next time, guys. 
Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Fuck you, Louie. Don't, don't look upset. Aww, you can have the new sticker. There you go. You missed the game, Nick. Half-Life 3 is coming out on November 15th. I'm sorry, I didn't see any game that I missed. <laughs> In fact, there was a game missing from that list. There was. But you didn't need it written down to know. No, it I did not. <laughs> oh. The intro to the podcast, titled Casual Master Quest, was paid for and produced by the wonderful talent Revelries Music. You can find more of their work at soundcloud.com forward slash Revelries Music, or just click on the link in the show descriptions. The background music is the album Top 50 Best Classical Piano Music by Brilliant Classics. You can find out more about Creative Commons at www.creativecommons.org forward slash license forward slash buy forward slash 4.0.